0: He's the the owner owner of the the most educated feet in professional wrestling. wrestling. Some Some would would call call him him the professor. Some might call him infamous. We call him the host of the the show. show. And I mean, (laughs) folks, where's the lie? It's
1: time for the Undisputed Podcast with Bobby Fish. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here we are with the legendary, the Hall of Famer, he just came out with an A&E special that will... If you haven't seen it by now, you really need to do yourself a favor. Yeah. The one, the only, he's the icon, Jake the Snake Roberts.
0: Yes, sir. Welcome aboard.
2: Welcome yes, sir. the board.
0: Speaking of which, um, I was watching that documentary today, and uh, yeah, it's... it's uh, it's great and I'm almost done. Um, I actually, that's what kept me, uh, coming to this a little bit late. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is wonderfully done and, uh, really just, uh, an amazing story.
2: Yeah. Not much fun if you lived it, but it's,
0: <laughs> well, I, I think it's gonna, I, I, you know, personally, I think it, it will, uh, speak to a lot of people. Um, sure. I thank think you telling your story, um, I think is going to benefit a, a lot of people. And, uh, so for that, sir, I say,
2: thank you. Well, I appreciate it. I think it's going to touch a lot. Of, I think it touched a lot of lives, but hopefully it will motivate us, motivate some people to do something about what's going on.
0: Yeah. I, you know, a call to action. I, I think, um, with that stuff is uh is for sure overdue um in our larger society but i i think especially you know the wrestling business um even the one i've come up in which was years later um yeah you know there some of these things go on un, um unaddressed yeah. and they only get worse
2: true that
1: How much uh, input did you have with the documentary? Was it all you the whole time, or did you have yeah,
2: some... Uh... It was all me the whole time.
1: That must have been intense.
2: Well, they asked a few questions, and that was about it. Al, the guy that directed it and uh, produced it, did a fantastic job. And yeah. me the story. And, um, he was there, and we became very good friends. And um, He was able to get it out of yeah. It was pretty pretty solid. It was a little tough at times, but it was also good therapy for me.
0: Yeah, well I was just gonna say, sir, that I, I can't imagine that's an uh, you know, an easy task either to um kind of unearth that stuff um for yourself and uh for a person in, in his position trying to um you know, obviously, it needs to be uh, compelling, but at the same time, it needs to be honest and it needs to yeah. be real. And I feel like you guys um, really kind of struck that balance.
2: Yeah, I think um, we nailed that. Yeah. I was uh, over the top happy with it.
0: Good, good. I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that um, because now I don't have to uh, feel guilty about enjoying it. Um, myself and i told my wife today i was like honey uh you gotta watch this with me i'll watch it a second time it's no problem
1: (laughs) the best part was how it starts with you and your sons on the boat fishing that was pretty cool that was pretty cool
0: yeah i love the fish man do you really oh yeah oh all right all right did you guys end up catching anything that day Striper. nice nice Nice. So, is that something you connect with your boys on? Is uh, fishing? They love it too. Oh yeah. All right.
2: And uh, we're about to start taking the grandkids. They're getting old enough now, so. Oh shit. We're about to get the grandkids out there and uh, <laughs> see how many rod and reels they lose. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was uh,
0: <laughs> when I was a kid. Um, they didn't trust me with a fishing line and a hook. So, uh, they gave me, um, a wire coat hanger and, uh, obviously I caught nothing. <laughs> so I think it scarred me. I think, uh, I don't really, uh, do much fishing, even though I live in Florida now. And I think it's because of that coat hanger.
2: It might be, man.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it could also be that
3: nobody still trusts him with a, with a reel and a, a hook. So. Well, the pack. Wow.
2: <laughs> some of those reels you don't want to lose one. That's for damn sure. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. You're not kidding.
2: Those no striper. You're not
0: kidding.
2: Five hundred bucks.
0: So, uh, striper. What's um, what kind of a, a weight are we talking, uh, striper? I don't, I don't know much about
2: fishing. Uh You can get them anywhere up to forty pounds, 50 pounds. Holy shit! Wow, that's like a dog. Three feet long. <laughs>
0: Wow,
3: <laughs> that was an interesting analogy. Yeah, <laughs> what
2: a dog! So well, we several thirty. So if you wow. get they're thirty inches long. He's gonna give you some fun. Yeah, yeah.
0: I can only imagine.
2: Yeah, they strike bass. The bass family. Ooh. But it was a lot of fun having the boys out there. That's something we do quite often. I think we're getting ready to do it again. Okay, uh, where
0: where are your uh, where do your
2: boys live? Texas. Okay, from Dallas. All right. We fish in Oklahoma, Texas, Oklahoma. Nice. Yeah, Lake Texoma. If anybody wants.
0: Well, I I think that was uh, like Frank was saying. Uh, That was a a really uh, unique and uh, nice way to start the documentary.
2: Yeah, it was And then
0: work work backwards.
2: Yeah.
0: I really enjoyed that part of it.
2: Cool.
0: Yeah. Speaking of working backwards,
2: talk to us (laughs) about the influence of DDP has had on you. Well, my influence on him was probably first. You know, it definitely was right. Him how to get in the ring and do his job, and that carried on for some time. But him, uh, him giving me the opportunity to get sober mm-hmm. was huge. You know, the bottom line is he opened the door, but I still had to walk through it and do the hard work. Sure. He was there oh. to, he was there to be the policeman. Mm-hmm. You know. And, but I was the one that had to go to the meetings. I was the one that had the sweaty nights and the, the bad days at the time. But uh, getting involved in yoga is what really helped them. And I'll tell you what happened was, you know, when you're 307 pounds and you haven't had a good day in a couple of years, type type of victory. It's huge. Yes, sir. And whenever I went to the house and started working out, well, I was eating right, too. But working out, within a couple of weeks, I'd lost, you know, 10 pounds. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wow, that's kind of cool. Three weeks later, I'd lost another 10 pounds. Well, now I can look in the mirror and actually see physical change. Right. I look different. Yes, sir. And that was huge. In my sobriety, because I didn't think I was able to change anything anymore. Right. Gonna wind up dead someplace, and that was that. Yeah. That I was beyond fixing. Yeah. And to start losing weight and start my body changing and things, it gave me confidence to try other things. Yeah. So I don't
0: remember where I read this or who said it, so I'm not going to try quoting somebody, but it was something along the lines of um, like medicine to the human condition is progress and like charted progress, whatever it is, even if it's minimal progress, but at least you see moving forward and you are able to build on that, whatever the situation is. And it's it's a, a, a need as a human being um, to have progress.
2: Well, the progress know? the progress brings back hope, and hope was something that I hadn't seen in years. Wow. I had I had no way out. I, I just I'd resign myself to diet. Right. I'd given up. So was it
0: just cyclical, sir? Was it just like cyclical, like every day you yep. just felt more desperate because it was like, okay, today sucked just like yesterday.
2: Yeah, today sucks because I, I got to get high. Right. And I don't have the, you know, a lot of times I didn't have the money to do it. And I wind up selling something that I had or giving something away or whatever or borrowing. Sure. I was very fortunate not to ever go so far as to steal anything. The only thing—well, I take that back. I stole from my children and my wife, didn't I? You yeah. know, back in those days. Yes, sir. So that's not true. So, yeah, it, it was just a, a time where finally I was getting to see something good happen. Yeah, and that yeah. was that was the beginning to me getting sober because I didn't think I was able to, to do something good for myself, but yet here I was doing it. Right. And I right. kind of got excited and got happy. a little. Yeah. Happy.
0: yeah. Where the fuck did that come from? Yeah.
2: No shit. <laughs> yeah.
0: And, and you know, who the thought, and if somebody had told you years ago, sir, like, okay, you're going to, the, one yeah. of the ways you're going to find this is you're going to be doing fucking yoga.
2: Yeah. Right. <laughs>
0: like you're <laughs> out of your fucking mind.
2: <laughs> I mean, I, right? I,
0: Dallas is one of the most generous people I've, I've ever come across. And, and the way that he's kind of put that out there to um, his, his DDP yoga out to all the boys was yeah. beyond generous. Yeah. And, and to this day, I I will say this for the past three years or so, it's probably the part of fitness that I do more than anything else right? is DDP yoga. I mean, it's, it's in my week anywhere from five or six times, right. you know, and it, yeah, I mean, I mix it in with other shit. Um, cool. I do a lot of kettlebells and like mace work and functional fitness stuff. But my basis of the hour or so that I put in, it always starts and finishes with DDP or it's in the middle or, you know, somehow it's, it's worked in.
2: That's some work out there.
0: Yeah. And it's, it, it, it has allowed me, I believe, to feel, has been one of the things that's allowed me to feel as good as I feel. And, and still to this day, Um, you know, I'm 46 years old and, and I don't feel like I have to stop. I feel like if I want to stop, it'll be up to me. Um, and I, I, you know, I didn't, I assumed that at, by this time I'd probably, you know, physically feel like I kind of, kind of need to hang it up, but I don't feel it.
2: Keep rolling, bro.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to ride this thing till the wheels fall off. I think we might be close, but. Uh,
2: I don't know, bro. 67 and my wheels are still on, but they're, they're making a lot of noise. It's <laughs> <laughs> all right. Just get some oil on them things. Just, uh, uh, you
0: know, <laughs> oil for the tin man, I think is what, uh, yeah, Alice says.
2: Yeah, it is.
0: Yeah. All right. Uh, Frank, where, uh, where are we at on this thing?
1: Something near and dear to your heart. That's overlooked, I think, these days. I think uh, Jake can speak on it, and that's ring psychology. Oh, boy. It's a lost art form. What, did you guys agree?
2: Definitely.
0: A hundred percent. I mean, Jake, you, hands down, um, it, it was actually something that um, The Undertaker, uh, Mark Calloway, said on your documentary, um, how you were a a master storyteller. Yeah. And, um, I really, you know, being somebody who's, who's spent his time in wrestling as well. And this is the way you put food on your table. Um, your style, um, of storytelling. It was just unlike anybody else's. And, um, it really, uh, really makes, sense to me now, um, why when I was a kid, I was just, I, there was something that drew me in to your work. And yeah. at the time, I didn't know it as work. And that's who I thought you, that's who you were to me. Um, but now I, I realize looking back having, you know, seen the other side of the curtain a little bit, just how special and how unique You were, sir. You guys hear that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard 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 a little interference there.
2: Yeah, I got that too. Don't pass interference.
0: Flag on the play. (laughs) (laughs) Um. So here we go. Um, Jake, where? where was it on your on your come up because you you worked everywhere before you would eventually go to uh wwf Mm -hmm. work for vince mcmahon which is where i was first exposed to you um but on that come up having worked everywhere there was to work where was it that you feel like you really started to understand the psychology of you know, what pro wrestling
2: was. Well, you know, in the beginning, I was around Eddie Graham. And Eddie Graham had a great mind for wrestling. So that was, I got a little touch there. And then okay. I, I was around a guy by the name of Buck Robley. Okay. Buck Robley taught me how to tell stories. And from there, I struck out on my own and went to Vancouver, British Columbia where I, I, I had to tell my story myself because I didn't have the support that I had before. So I started running it like that. From there, I went to Calgary, from Calgary back to Louisiana. So by the time I got back to Louisiana, I knew how to do it.
0: Okay. How um, much time would you say um, all of that bouncing around was over the course of how how many years? Three years. Three years? Yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah. But by then, I had it down to where I could go out and and give you a pretty damn good match. Okay. And hold my own out there with some of the better guys. It's time. And there were some good ones. Who
0: who were the guys, just a a few names, um, that at that time you looked at, if you saw them on the card, were like, oh, shit, I'm going to pay attention to this.
2: Bob Sweetan was the first guy I really watched. Uh, you may not know him, but he he scared the holy crap out of me. <laughs> you know, just uh, a big, rough, a big fat man. But he was he was mean and he was evil. And uh, he worked hard out there. Of course, I also got to see the likes of Danny Hodge uh-huh. Hero Matsuda. I, I refereed those guys. So I'm both that refereeing was one of the things that I think got me ahead of everybody else. Really? As a referee, you have to learn to tell that story in the beginning through the match. You have to act it out with those guys. You know, your concern has to be proper. You know, you're 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 trying to to d- deliver this match, and, and you've got to be on point, man. The referee is very important. A bad Do you referee, think, referee can ruin a match. Sure. Do you think that some of that's kind
0: of lost in today's okay. business? Because yeah. I, I know the referees that I've come up with, some are better than others, um, but a, a lot of them, you know, they're not really given the, uh, you know, given the information they need, no. or or given. No. Like, the, the trust that is required for them to be um,
2: a, a variable. Oh, yeah, involved, yeah. We got a pretty good one at AEW. You know, uh, the girl there is, is pretty damn sharp in the ring.
0: Okay, yeah. She is. Yeah, I had
2: a brain fart. I can't remember her name <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: I have those, too. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> Trouble if you're getting them at 40 something.
0: I have the regular farts too. Yeah. My wife and my daughter will tell you. There you go. Is it Aubrey? Is it Aubrey, yes. name? Aubrey?
2: Aubrey. Aubrey, right. Yep, Aubrey. I knew it. I was just testing you guys.
3: Frank didn't know <laughs> it. He had to Google he Frank just Googled it. I had to look it up.
0: <laughs> oh, I mean, come on,
2: guys. Uh, yeah. We all got these. We all got these, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm Frank was the only, the only one, one to jump on. He was like, ah, oh, got <laughs> so, it. Yeah, I was going to have to deal with this shit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Aubrey, she is good.
2: She is good. All right, what do you What else you got for me,
1: Frank? What are you doing? What I What <laughs> I found fascinating about the documentary, aside from the personal, was, was the Ricky Steamboat stuff. Mm-hmm. The fact that that was legit. I mean, all these years, I thought it was part of the part of the deal, but apparently, you really dropped him on his
2: nugget. No, man, it almost killed him
0: man yeah i remember that
2: one is there
0: about four inches yeah well steamboat was my god
2: it took two weeks for his eyes to turn black holy shit there was so much swelling in his face wow but i steam i argued that told him i couldn't do it i wouldn't do it yeah and he finally talked me into doing it but he won't do it again
0: <laughs> right, right. Well, I mean, do you so Ricky Steamboat, the quintessential baby face, um, a guy who came up in the business, uh, who knew how to do the business well. Um, and I, do you think that was just his zeal for like, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm going to go out and do my job the best I can. And I trust Jake. Um, to know what he's doing. And, what? and I know what I'm doing.
2: I told him I couldn't do it.
0: Yeah. Oh, okay. So he... Yeah,
2: I told him I said, it's impossible to do that on concrete. I said, it's going to fuck you up. Yeah. But he was trying to do a favor for George Scott, who at the time was Vince's right man. Okay. Oh. He was the booker. Gotcha. He came from Charlotte, where Steamboat had also came from. Right. Right. So he had given Steamboat his big break in Charlotte with Flair. So he thought he owed George Scott whatever he wanted. And George wanted it on the floor. Oh my god. It's impossible to do it on the floor, it's gonna kill him. Right. Well it damn near did.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, watching that back, I remember it. Um you know, from from my childhood watching yep. it and him being something looked different about how lifeless he was.
2: If I had to pick him up; they damn near herniated me. I saw that. I tr- saw that. Two hundred and twenty pounds of the web guy is uh, fuck milk. yeah, yeah. That yeah. Crazy.
0: I mean, I, it, you know, it it <laughs> it served its purpose. I suppose, because something like I was convinced um, I was all in at that point. Cause like I said, sir, Steamboat was my guy and you had just, uh, you know, for all intents and purposes, just fucked up my guy. Yeah. So <laughs> I can no longer be a fan of yours.
2: That's all right. <laughs> That's all right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, from a psychology standpoint, Um, there's, there's the in-ring psychology, but one of the things that, that always stuck out to me the most, um, especially now, if I go back and I, and I look because I am, you know, in wrestling myself, your, um, cadence, your promo style, if you will, um, where did that where did that originate? Where Where did this?
2: Uh, That's this... just something that happened. I was, uh, I was wrestling in Louisiana very early on, and I got a knee in my throat. And it crushed my voice box. So that stopped me from yelling. I can't yell to save my life. Okay. If I try to scream, nothing comes out. Nothing. So, and I, from my own experience, I knew mean, when people yell, nobody listens. Right. I figured that out. So I thought, well, what about when you whisper? And then when when you whisper in a room, everybody in the room turns around, and tries to hear what the hell you said. That's a good point. Wow. You know. 100%. Yeah. And learning how to take the voice up and down was something I learned from movies. And uh. Watching TV, sure, and just rolled with it. And I, and I stole my words from music, mm-hmm. uh, constantly looking for phrases in music, whether it be Rolling Stones. You can't always get what you want, but damn sure get what you. You know, and little things like that. If if it's been said enough, the fan at home when you say it. His mind clicks and says, "I heard that before," so he's agreeing with you in his mind without him himself even knowing it mm-hmm. because he's heard it before. Right. So you just continue to play from there.
0: That's a whole psychology in itself. Like what yeah. you're talking about right now is it's psychological. <laughs>
2: it's it's putting thought into now I'm gonna say that well, before that mama told you don't trust that boy at the end of the street he's a bad boy you know you've heard that before mm-hmm. so you just keep saying these things and it works because mm-hmm. it's truth yeah <laughs> it's true. yeah
0: I, I, I to me that's the psychology within the psychology and you we can you know we can go out there we control so many variables we can do whatever we want we can paint this canvas whatever color it is we want to paint yes. but when there's thought behind why you choose the colors so to speak that you paint with um it's just it's way more interesting
2: well, it makes it magic man. yeah when the magic happens everybody's happy yeah yeah. I,
0: <laughs> um, so, not to rewind too much here, but before we get beyond this, um, watching the documentary today um, and the the part about the DDT mm-hmm. and having come up at a time when you know the DDT was something that everybody knew, um, mm-hmm. the simplicity of the move right is what makes the brilliance and I'm sure you've heard it said before, but it, it's truly, you know, it's it's a front face lock that everybody, you know, everybody can understand. And yeah, you just drop the guy on his fucking head.
2: Well, <laughs> the awful. reason it makes it so attractive is because even the even the fan at home thinks he can do it. Mm-hmm. And it's certainly possible. Yeah. You well know, I think sometimes six seven and weigh three hundred pounds and be able to lift a guy over your head. No. All you gotta do is hook that head and take him home. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, and the the way that it developed over the years and the snap that you had to it. Um, I I thought the other part that that uh is brilliant was the short arm clothesline as as the prelude to it because i know as a kid you knew it was coming and yeah. it was the anticipation you know so okay this move is not a 450 off the top rope but it doesn't need to be doesn't it because happen. i'm i'm laying the groundwork before i give it to you yeah brilliant
2: well you it's know brilliant. I hit you with that short-arm clothesline, and I give that look around, and the anticipation is sort of like when you're in high school, man, and you're trying to trying to get to first base with that girl. The anticipation of getting there. Yeah. It's so damn big. Right. Yeah. And then finally when you get there, it's almost relief. You Right then. third (laughs) getting ready man you know (laughs) the setup the anticipation of what's next yeah you know that led it to well it took me home that's what i did
0: yes sir yes sir well i I, you know i i um at the risk of of winding us back a little bit i just i did not (coughs) want to miss that because i feel like one of the um Hands down, one of the greatest finishes our industry will ever know yeah. because of just the how simple yeah. and understandable and relatable um, it was, you know. And uh, not, not to not to rag on the the figure four leg lock, but I mean, how how many <laughs> how many people at home can relate to the figure four leg lock? You know,
2: Well, yeah. only those that used it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I and I'll say this too: the DDT. I think if you watch a bar fight or a couple kids fighting in the schoolyard, you're gonna end up seeing some version of of the yeah. DDT happen just out of
2: circumstance. This happens that way, man.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: That's a so, good. One.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's a finish that you know, and and obviously when you get into the wrestling business, um, I've, I've heard this many times. Um, so I will say it like that people will say, okay, we'll pick a finish that you can hit on anyone."
2: that's right. So
0: not not necessarily something where you've got to pick everybody up because if you're not the biggest guy in the room,
2: you know, well, you're, well, you can't pick up.
0: Right. Right. Yes, sir.
3: Yes, sir.
2: And it came and it came
3: by accident, correct? It was kind yeah. of a mistake that developed into Yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I loved hearing that. He stepped okay. on your
2: foot. <laughs> okay. The guy and he went to push me into the corner, stepped on my foot, and we both went down. So I gotta take I, I gotta
0: ask then. So let's take it back to that moment. Did you think because I can relate to the idea of like, okay, there's a guy kind of helping you like, leading you through the match. And you're thinking, like, okay, we just fell down. Like, I just fucked up. This is my fault. yeah, will Oh yeah,
2: I sprung to my feet. Like, oh, I didn't fuck up. I didn't fuck up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He did it. Yes.
2: And then think about the
0: millions of dollars that that fuck-up has made you over the years.
2: Yeah, Yeah, it's pretty wild, brother, when you think of it. Yeah.
0: You know? Yeah. Sometimes we just step in shit, literally.
2: That's smelling like a rose.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Frank, where are we at here?
1: What was your first reaction when Vince approaches you about the gimmick of the snake?
2: Well, I'd had that idea years before. And I tried to get Bill Watts, that no good motherfucking piece of shit. Who, <laughs> How do you really feel? Come on, that, don't mix now, words, sir. Every time I say Bill Watts, that comes out. No good okay. Anyway, I tried to get him to let me use the snake before in Louisiana whenever I was wrestling Lord Humongous. Because Lord Humongous had a hockey mask he would wear, and he was headbutting me with it, of course. And my head looked like a piece of hamburger meat. So I wanted to come out with a snake in the bag to even the playing field. Sure. And his reply was, "The fuck you think this is? A fucking circus?" Well, yeah. Oh, wow. Kind of but yes. You know, but I was wrong. And he wouldn't do it. But whenever Vince came out with it,
0: yeah,
2: I'm like, "Oh my fucking god," because I'm terrified of snakes. I
0: found that so like. I'm Your commitment to terrible. the industry it, to begin with is, uh, is, is quite um, incredible, but to, to hear that you were afraid of snakes when yeah. I'm watching that today, and I thought as a kid for sure, like he's got like a hundred snakes at his house, like yeah. he
2: well. sleeps with snakes. That was the idea, but that shows you the devotion to my character.
0: Fuck, yeah.
2: My character. If you're afraid of him? My character, Jake the Snake, is not afraid of any fucking thing. Holy He'll shit. He'll fight lions, tigers, giants, Martians. I don't give a shit. Bring it out here. I'll fight that son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, if you watch me in the locker room, you'd know that, Goddamn, that guy's afraid of snakes and then I get the bag and I take it out there and as soon as I went through that curtain click, something snaps at me and I'm no longer afraid of them. A hundred
0: percent because I would have never believed, ever I would have never believed that the man that I watched as a kid had a fear of snakes. So like watching that documentary today to hear, that was such um, a surprise. I'm like, wait, did I hear that
2: right? Yeah, you heard it right, brother. Wow. I mean, that's. Go ahead, Frank. How did Andre the Giant, though, take the snake, though? Uh, He's just a great performer. Yeah. He wasn't afraid of that damn snake. (laughs) No. (laughs) No, God, no. I mean, I remember one night in uh, Los Angeles, the snake bit him on the shoulder and broke off two fangs. Oh, my God. Those fangs were about two and a half inches long, man. Right. And I I came to the locker room because the snake bit me too. Got my finger for about nine stitches. Ugh. So I went in to see how Andre was. I'm I'm thinking to myself, I hope he's not fucking pissed because I don't want that giant to fucking kill me. No. You know?
0: No, I can't imagine
2: that's a good day. I'm like, Andre, are you okay? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Hungry, huh? <laughs> but as he said that, Rick Rude walked up behind him and says, Oh my God, Andre, look at this. And he pulls those fangs out of his shoulder. And I'm like, Fuck Rude, thanks a lot. <laughs> wow. Andre, don't that piss you off? <laughs> it's okay, Jake.
0: What a cocksucker. He's got abs, too, <laughs> bastard. Yeah. Did you take those abs somewhere else, Rick Rude? Oh, shit. <laughs> like an asshole. <laughs> uh, so, I would imagine Andre being as, as big as he was, maybe like when you're that large, you just you don't feel things the same way. Maybe he didn't realize the fangs were I don't, in there.
2: I don't think he even knew it in bit him, but... Um whatever he thought was all right with me. I just know that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Whatever he says is a great fucking idea. (laughs) (laughs) Uh
3: well with a guy that big too, it doesn't matter if you agree with it or not, he's just gonna do it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You're not gonna stop him. Yeah, well I'm gonna put on a happy face. (laughs) Sure. Uh, well, he was Vince's guy, too. I don't want him to think I've got a fucking attitude, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> right. Because he might right. just bitch slap me and uh, knock out four or five of my teeth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> so how did the Cobra come into play, though? How did the, how did they talk you to bring a Cobra into the whole Macho Man deal?
2: Well, the, the Snake guy told me that he had these Cobras. And I was I went to Vince and I said, you know, we could use a cobra, man. That, that <laughs> and uh, he went for it. Sure. Oh my god. And I love that cobra, man, because that cobra was 15 feet long but only weighed about 20 pounds. Nice. You know, that beats carrying that fucking 150-pound son of a bitch around. Holy <laughs> balls. And that got so old carrying that son of a bitch through fucking airport. Uh. Oh. In the buildings. That shit got old, man.
0: Fucking hell. So, like, when they first proposed the gimmick to you, did you think about that? Because that that's some of the stuff that, like, until you actually get into it, you don't realize when you're saying yes that that's a part of it.
2: You know, it, it, at that time, I was looking for a job. Yeah. Quit in Mid-South and I wanted to go work for uh, WWF. <laughs> so when he came out with the idea, I was like, yes, sir, no fucking problem, you know?
0: Yeah, Yeah. and money talks. Yeah, it
2: does. Damn sure does. And it did. <clears throat>
0: yeah, well, and, and to be totally honest, like you saying that you had brought the idea up to Bill Watts right. years earlier, but Bill Watts, correct me if I'm wrong, more of a traditional... Book uh, Booker where Vince was willing to, you know, I think Vince encouraged the circus, if I'm not mistaken. Like, he wanted a circus.
2: Absolutely. He yeah. What it was really about is about marketing, man. It about, it's right. not about fucking people are in an arena. That doesn't fucking matter. What matters is how many people are watching it on television and buying shit. Yes, sir. That fucking
0: matters. Yes, sir. Yeah, and I, I, I think at no point was it more glaring to me than when COVID and, and all of that hit, and I was with WWE at the time, and the revenue from, lost from the houses, like, it didn't even matter.
2: Well it didn't matter. You know, it
0: was like nobody gives it. Like, that's that's not even considered a drop in the bucket. Nobody cares.
2: There's jump change.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: That's crazy. That is. So how did so you go to WCW, and you, did they ask you to bring the Cobra with you, or that just something yeah. you had did on your own? Yeah. That that was wise, wasn't it? Yep. Really. Copycat.
2: And then the first thing he wanted to do was get rid of. It. <laughs> <laughs> get right. rid of it? Yeah, he wanted just he wanted to destroy me and my character.
0: What the hell kind of sense does that make?
2: Well, his thought was if if uh, guys from a WWF come here and we slaughter them, that shows people how much better we are. Right. right. Oh.
0: And that, I mean, could it be any more um, of an antiquated, yeah. you know, like He's bygone uh, belief?
2: Wow. Yeah. It was horseshit. Yeah. I, I let the state bite me in the face. And I went to TV the next day, expecting that we were going to put it on somebody there. And I get told real quick by a camera guy now, <laughs> that's what really pissed me off. The fucking camera guy goes, "Yeah, man, this snake has been banned. You can't even have it in the building." Like, oh my God! Fuck? And then I wow. read the writing on the wall. He's trying to fucking destroy the fucking gimmick. Wow. So that's when I left.
0: Yeah. Oh, Jeez, certainly can't blame you for that. Yeah. Fuck.
1: I mean, there was definitely money left on the table. Because correct me if I'm wrong, you're you're few you and sting. Yeah. It, it was you and Sting at the time, and then it just dissipated.
0: That's yeah. That so was... I remember, was there, What was the? Uh, there was a like a coal miner's glove match.
1: Yeah, that sucked.
0: In there, because I want to say it was I...
1: spin the wheel, make the
0: deal, deal. Yeah, yeah I because I, I remember this, too. Like, I was a big Sting fan.
2: Which was the worst fucking match you could have. What are you going to do with a fucking glove? Yeah. You know yeah. That's what it's about? They don't understand what a coal miner's glove is. Right. So, anyway, it was horse shit. Let's move to some. Yeah. I like talking about horse shit. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: sure enough. All right. Steer the ship someplace better, Frank. Yeah.
1: We got let's months. go. To, let's go to modern times, and Let's talk about the product right here, right now. All right. Did you Did they, ever
0: you, predict this coming, uh, Jake? Like, what? so the business that you knew when you got in, um, obviously, way different, protected, um, yeah. secretive. Yeah. Um, you know, in-house in house, in many ways, could you have ever you know, predicted kind of where we are today. Uh,
2: I don't think anybody could predict where we are today. You know, uh, <clears throat> the end of K fame. Well, Vince made sure of that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it really, to tell you the truth, most of the fans already knew anyway. You think that was inevitable? Yes. Yes. Yeah. You know, you think about, how the hell are you going to hide anything today with the fucking phones everybody have? Yeah, impossible. can hide shit. Right. You know, so... But the business today, I think, is is better. Uh, it's, it's, the numbers say it's better. Sure. Not, it's not my flavor. But guess what? I'm just one guy. Yeah. And uh, the bottom line is, there aren't guys around right now that could go out and give you that type of match.
0: I a hundred percent agree, sir. They don't understand
2: psychology. They don't understand the timing.
0: Yeah. I've had these conversations with some of my colleagues. Um, you know, there was nobody, there was nobody working that there were a lot of people talking about that work. Right. Um, when I was on the come up, um, but the a lot of the same people would talk about it and say that that's the preferred way of doing it. However, they would then go ahead and call every spot in the match yeah. and then go out and perform like that. Yeah. And, and that was, you know, I hate to say it, and I don't feel as if I'm throwing, you know, my colleagues under the bus, but, like, that's just the generation that I am a part of, you know, and, I, and I'll own it and say it. I mean, that's generally how most of us worked. Um, some of us to more degrees than others. Yeah. Um, but it, it just was, it was what the business was. And it's now even morphed from that to what we have today, which dare I say is, is even even different, even yeah. more different.
2: I think in time it's going to change back a little bit, but it'll never go back to what it was. No. Never will. Because you don't have the talent that's available to go out and hold those type of matches. You know, there's some guys that could do it. You know, your your Kennys and your uh, uh, Brian Danielson and and those guys could do it, Mm -hmm. but they're not in the position to do it. You know, they know they got to go out and perform at a certain level and give them certain things, or they won't be there anymore.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good point for you to bring up, sir, that, that it's it, – in order to keep up with the Joneses, so to speak, yeah. you know, if, if everything you're doing is on TV, it's not like, you know, days before where you could, you know, learn on the fly – it's all on TV. Those boxes need to be checked, or yeah. you're going to find yourself not on TV.
2: Exactly.
0: And then that means you're not getting paid, and then you know, uh, obviously, the cascade of things uh, falls into place from there. So, yeah, yeah that's a really good um, that's a really good point.
2: All right, guys, we got a few more minutes. Now you have an autobiography,
1: autobiography coming out soon too. Yes, I do. Is yeah. that going to
2: mirror the a and or Does that go more in depth of everything? It goes in depth about my life story and, and, and about being you know, out there doing what I did. When can we expect that to drop? 600 pages. It's probably going to take a couple of months to get it uh, printed and all that. So I'd say mid-summer.
0: All right. Okay. How did that, how did that, uh, come about? Uh, so did you, did, I mean, like, did you always think to yourself because it was many years ago that you, you became, um, you know, you, you, you became part of pop culture. I mean, Jake, the snake Roberts, like there's very few people who don't know that name even if they're right. not wrestling fans. Right. Did you think like, you know, yeah, I'll write a fucking book at some well, point.
2: Like, I thought about it a long time ago, but didn't do a damn thing about it. Yeah. Then about ten years ago, I sat down and started to do something about it. And what I did was I just recorded it my voice, you know, the recorder, and then had somebody transcribe it for me. So every word this book is the word that I've spoken. It's not uh, written by somebody else or any of that bullshit it's by me and it's about 600 pages and uh i'm gonna call it i think i'm gonna call it the book of jake that's good you know so we'll see what
0: to hear that uh reminds me a little bit of um one of the the you know I guess argument could be made for being the best, uh, author of, of any wrestling book, but Mick Foley, um, mm-hmm. I know he talked a lot about how just, you know, all the time spent on the road and he was yeah. just, he started writing it. it's yeah, very similar to you just recording it into, um, you know, transcribing it, uh, later, but, but just getting it, getting it, uh, down, just yeah. getting it. Out, out of out
2: of your head. Yeah. 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 As I tell you, man, I, a lot of my heart isn't in that book, I'll tell you that much. That's I, awesome. I'm going to have to get off of here. I'm pretty tired. Yes, sir. All right, Jake, we'll see you Welcome. soon. Thank you for yes, your
1: time. Sir. Thank you Take for your time. Your, Thank you very much. Check out his podcast, Jake Steak Pit, and uh, we'll see you soon. Thank you, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you.
3: Thank you. All right. Um, well, Dash, you got anything? Uh, I do know that Bobby and Jake are on the same card on March, March 12th in yeah. Boca.
1: Yeah. And yeah, they are. are on the Icons of Wrestling signing March uh. the 18th. Where can they find you, Bobby? And right. also right there. the fleece that I'm wearing, you can only find where?
0: Yes. BobbyFishApparel.com. And this fits like a
1: glove, and not only that, I think I might have something else back here. You might have a I pair do. of gloves?
0: I do, I do. Oh. How's that? Oh. oh. You know what? We could do that, too. We could get rubber gloves for putting on your self-tanner. Uh, no?
3: No. no? We could. I mean, well, I, I think maybe we should have a meeting with our merch guys over at Elevation 10,000. <laughs> Let's see what um, we got we got merch guys we got uh, a lot of ideas for the merch we got a lot of ideas for the merch. merch
0: listen you guys were down with my slippers today they're gonna put out
3: now first of all we can well, let's put that out to whatever we're gonna call the fucking fans of this podcast bobby calls himself the the, the, the most educated feet in professional wrestling and it's not that he just calls himself that it's fucking true um uh, right. would you buy slippers that said that i yeah. think it's a great i think it's a great house shoes
0: house shoes sure yeah dawkins from um street profits Docs used to come to the pc in his house shoes really i used to make fun of them yeah <laughs> docs those are <laughs> by name they stay at home
3: they're house shoes you
0: know yeah they're
3: house shoes What's crazy? So, people think, wear you know, them out all the time now, dude. I was at yeah. a couple of different like uh, high school basketball games this past mm-hmm. season, which Colony just lost, so that's all done. But kids were coming to the games. First of all, they're wearing their pajamas, which is that, oh,
0: Jesus. I'm so glad you're saying this because you know where it gets me on the plane. Ah, yeah. Don't bring your pillow. <laughs> And your blanket. And, like, I swear, they've rolled out in those pajamas that they slept in the night before. And they're just wearing them on the plane. Like, that, you're in public.
3: Yeah. I agree. It's it's crazy. They just show up. They, kids were in their, like, pajama bottoms. Kids were wearing slippers, a.k.a. house shoes. I'm like... What's going on? Like, I think back to when we were in school, I don't ever remember leaving the house not trying to look good when we left the house.
0: I just can't. I mean, you're on a plane. You're amongst other people.
3: (laughs) Other people. Yeah. You're in public. You're in public. We can see you. You (laughs)
0: might as well start smoking cigarettes on planes again if you're going to go there. If you're going to, you know, like... Okay, maybe not, but... That's
3: a stretch, but okay. I see where you're going. It is, but put...
0: Come on, put your good school clothes
1: on. You know what you gotta do? Go to BobbyFishApparel.com
0: and get yourself some
1: good school clothes. Yeah. Yeah. Get yourself, you know... Long sleeve, short sleeve, performance wear, hoodies, hats, sleeveless, thongs.
3: No, we don't have thongs yet, but we're working on them. We're coming with those.
0: Rubber gloves, condoms. we have condoms?
3: No, we don't. No. 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 We don't have our own ED medication yet either. Yet. No. You never know. We're going to have to have a marketing meeting. A hundred percent. We do have, let's see, we got men's, women's, kids. Yes. We got it all.
1: Half this st- is the future. It's the future of pro wrestling right here. This, this, podcast? Podcast, this podcast, the merch line, it's the future.
3: Huh. It's the future. That's Mark my words, st- Daddy. That's a fucking bold statement. Mark Frank. my words. Is a, there is nobody doing it like we're doing it. I mean, no pressure, Bobby, but I think Frank just put the entire wrestling industry on your shoulders. That's okay. That's you okay. have big shoulders. That's Excellent.
0: all right. Yeah. I'm on TRT, up.
3: Okay. As long as I don't have to carry it, we're good. <laughs> but, yeah. Frank, what do you got? Anything? Um,
1: After this, not a thing. Not a thing. I have an interview.
3: That's right. Bobby has something to do tonight. I do. Who's coming on next week? I don't know. Okay. Next week is uh, Florian?
1: Is it? Is it Florian or Aries? Austin. Austin.
3: I thought we said March 6th was Florian. We were working on that. Uh, that was a good time to have our meeting. We're still-
0: <laughs> we should have it.
3: Uh, um, Coming hey. up next week on the Undisputed Podcast with Bobby Fish, somebody else. A new guest. Insert name here. <laughs> um, Hulk Hogan's
1: going to be here. Hulk Hogan's going to be here.
3: Oh. Get on the phone with some impersonators. That's um, a bad idea. Hmm. I don't
1: know. Right, we'll figure it out later, boys and girls.
3: Until yeah, next we, time. Uh, as we as we start to wrap it up, first of all, I hope that we didn't <laughs> offend Mr. Roberts or bore him. But thank you, Jake, for coming on the uh on the show tonight. It was uh I know for the three of us all growing up when he was doing his thing on TV, it was a pretty fucking surreal experience for us. Yeah. So, to hear
1: the stories though, like from that documentary, like the the Ricky Stimo thing stuck out to me because I always thought that was a part of a part of the show. And then to hear, no, he really mm-hmm. cracked his head. I'm like, oh, yeah. Wow. wow.
0: Yeah. And if you... I, had, I had heard that before, but it was still very interesting to see it like explained. And especially when you watch him, Jake. Hit... Sorry, <laughs> somebody um, shared uh, something <laughs> on Instagram. <laughs> 1PW shared something or had posted something, and I shared it. And then <laughs> I, I don't know that happened.
3: Well, good thing we all got decent tickers because that scared the shit yeah. out of me.
0: Yeah, literally, figuratively.
1: Yeah.
3: Holy mackerel. Yeah. Um, for those that have seen the documentary on A&E or those that haven't, if you haven't watched it yet, do it. I mean, I have yeah. friends that are not like – I'm pushing it down. My friends that are not like heavy wrestling fans that watched it and they were like, holy shit, like that one was awesome. And it really is. I don't ever make excuses or try to reason as to why people become – addicted to what they become addicted to. But when you learn about Jake's childhood and the shit that he dealt with, yeah, I was like, I can understand how he went. He ended up on that path, looking for acceptance, looking just to feel good, you know? As,
0: well, as, I think it helps you understand. Um, and I think way too many times in, in our lives, I know I'm guilty of it myself. We look at others and we don't put ourselves in there shoes and we judge them for decisions they make or the way they Mm. you perceive or whatever the case. And there's always a story behind the action, you know, and a lot of times if given that story, you would change your perception of, of what you thought of that person. And I think this was one of those instances because I know that I encountered Jake years ago on, on my come up and, um, you know, they, they weren't good points in his, his life. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, to to watch some of that documentary and to know that somewhere along those lines is, is when I first, um, met the man and, and he probably doesn't even remember it, but, um, you know, it just yeah, it brings things kind of full circle. Um, there's been some uh, addiction issues in my own family, so uh, yeah, that that documentary was it. Um, it struck some chords, definitely. definitely I had met Jake me personally.
1: I had met Jake at a comedy show up here four or five years ago, mm-hmm. and the first. 10 minutes was basically him telling his story. And it wasn't meant, it wasn't funny. It wasn't funny at all. Yeah. But that was the beginning of the show. And then he goes in telling, you know, road stories and the Andre the Giant story, the all sure. those stories he tells to, to, to break it up. But the first 10 minutes, he will say it up front this is not my comedy portion. This is real deal talk. Yeah. And you can hear a pin drop in the place. So, yeah.
3: yeah. give him a lot of credit. I mean, d- d- going through what he went through and then reliving it. Sure, um, and like you said, it was it was good therapy for him and. Well, I was so just I gonna think, say,
0: I I think that you know you just, you took the words out of my mouth. Dennis.
3: Yeah, so couldn't, it couldn't have been, couldn't yeah. have been easy, but clearly it was it was helpful and and you know healing for him, which is excellent.
0: I think retelling the story um, is part of it. It all becomes part of the process of recovery and, and of getting better i think for some people that don't come out the other end of it you know um, maybe that's why maybe, maybe the shame um, and their reluctance to share it maybe maybe that's the missing piece of the puzzle i mean i, I, I don't
3: know could be it's hard to say <laughs> yeah. yeah all right boys Frank, yeah. you've, said, you've said your piece? <laughs> yeah, I well, think. now, on the uh,
0: optimistic note that that was, <laughs> I think this this is
1: uh, apropos. Botchamania.
3: Oh, Christ.
0: Botchamania.
1: Yeah. Botchamania. <laughs> God, prayers.
0: I missed oh. Say, your Say your prayers. Say your prayers. I didn't do it. <laughs> oh, you didn't. Frank,
3: you're you can drop Sorry. the ball there, Frank. You missed your opportunity. It was a golden opportunity.
1: Hey, hey, there was some uh, dead air at that time. I got to in there. <laughs>
3: yeah, maybe. <laughs> but,
0: golden opportunity. Uh, go, get a, go, go get a golden shower, Frank. Go get know, a golden shower.
3: You enjoy that. All right, let's let's uh, let's take it home. Say goodnight, Bobby.
0: Goodnight, Bobby.
3: Gucci, goochie, goochie, go.